Welcome to the Women's Health Podcast. I'm Marika Hart from Herosphere. And I'm Anthony Lowe, the Physio Detective. Together we interview leading authorities, answer questions and share our thoughts to provide the general public with the best quality information we can find on all aspects of women's health. Please remember that our materials and content on this podcast are intended as general information and for entertainment purposes only. They are not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Now it's time to get cracking with the episode. So whether you're out walking your dog, driving the kids to school or just sitting back enjoying a glass of wine, we hope you enjoy the show. Anthony, I reckon we should start with the absolute basics and talk about what is diastasis recti and the terminology because we've got DR, DRA, DRAM, DRAM, DRAM. Uh, <laughs> how do you explain it to your clients? Like when people say, what is, what is diastasis recti? So the way that I describe it is that like, let's just call it diastasis for short, right? Um, Cause otherwise we're going to be saying words all over the place. To me, yep. diastasis is just where your abdomen and it can happen in men and women just stretches out and your six pack muscles are no longer train tracks sitting next to each other in a parallel fashion, but they're now more like a shape like that, which is uh, like two curved hands meeting each other for those who are not watching the video. Um, (laughs) So um, there's now a separation in between the two muscles, which used to sit more parallel to each other. Um, that's how I describe it. It's a thinning out of yeah. the tissues um, in between there. Whereas I think a lot of people think that it's a hole in between. Yeah. And you go all the way into your abdomen. I Like that's called a hernia to me. And Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think hernias are different to diastasis. Um, you know, because you're not going to get a hernia to close up that's usually a surgical procedure, mm-hmm. um, whereas a diastasis is a thinning. And then we go from there. How, how do you like to explain it to your patients? Yeah, it's pretty similar. Like I'll often describe, you know, the or sometimes I like using pictures, which I don't have on me right now. But, you know, I describe the six pack muscles and just explain that, um, that we have this connective tissue that wraps around all the different abdominal muscles and actually connects in that midline. And then through pregnancy and other, through other reasons as well, but you get this widening and thinning of, of that linear alba, which is that connective tissue along the midline, um, which is a, a normal thing in pregnancy and it's how we grow a baby. Um, and then from there, depending on what I see and what I feel, I'll talk about what is the status with that particular person. But yeah, I try and not catastrophize it and just explain that it is this um, you know, thinning and widening through the connective tissue along the midline. And it's usually wider around about the belly button or um, sometimes a little bit above. Um, but I agree that I find that it sort of narrows towards the ribs and it narrows again towards the pubic bone as well. Yeah. And there's lots of different variations, you know, mm-hmm. lots of people, um, lots of people have that, that separation or the, or the thinning in different places. Um, and it really yeah, just so depends people on the wide ribs. Uh, yeah, can definitely be wider at the top. Yeah, and and you know, it's important to remember that a lot of those lower ribs have significant cartilage components to them to allow that to happen as well. There's so many different variables that go into it. 
But it's such a hot topic right now. So it's really hot, sexy, right? right? It's like the ACL of women's health. <laughs> it's which is weird because so much is made of it. I'm, yeah, I, I I get it though, you know. And 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 in this day and age of, <clears throat> excuse me, having an Instagram, an Insta perfect life, an Insta perfect body, we're seeing lots of, you know, oh, I just had a baby a few weeks ago and looking fabulous because they've got a nanny and a personal trainer and a chef mm. and a housekeeper. Like you know, there's lots of. Didn't you have that when you had your babies? Oh, yeah. The chef and the housekeeper and the <laughs> nanny and the... <laughs> it would have been nice. Oh, it would have been, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? <laughs> um, so in terms of a lot of people want to know how to measure it. And obviously it's easy when you go to see a um, health professional and some fitness professionals have, have been trained in how to measure it as well. Um, but there's a little bit of variability I find in terms of, obviously we can, we can measure it by using our fingers. Um, we can use real time ultrasound. We can use, cal I don't find people use calipers very often. So most people will use their fingers. Um, how do you measure, like if you're explaining to someone how to measure it on themselves, Anthony, how do you, how would you get them to do it? Yeah. Wow. This is a big topic. Mm. Um, you know, there's a lot of things. You, you can measure lying down on your back at rest then with an abdominal curl-up. Now, the curl-up way is the traditional way of measuring mm. it, and it's described in the research. They've, they've done it repeated times, so it's still done in this fashion. Um, but that's a very active way to measure it. It also doesn't really measure the amount of visceral load, just your internal organs pushing on the abdomen, stretching things open. So um, I think measuring at rest in upright as well as in lying down is, is useful. Um, you can it's use harder. your fingers. It is harder. <laughs> and it's hard to be consistent, right? And yeah. as, as you know, health professionals, we like to have consistent measures so that we can yeah. write it down for our notes. But things change. Even what you ate for lunch will change what your diastasis can appear like. Mm. Um, so it's really, it's really not easy to standardize. Yeah, lots of people like to measure the gap, so they use finger widths. But you know, I've got a few photos of different people's fingers in my hands. Mm. Um, different people have different size hands and fingers. Um, I think it's it's great. I think you got a tape measure there, don't you, Marika? Yeah. So I was really interested just to see because I know a lot of people measure in finger widths, and other people measure in centimeters. And a lot of the research, well, actually, some is in fingers, and some is in. Um, centimeters and I think often we almost use those interchangeably like we kind of correlate in our heads three centimeters equals three fingers but actually like if I measure my the finger width of three of my fingers it's actually four and a half centimeters yeah so it's actually and yours is probably closer six. to six <laughs> <laughs> your, your hands are rather large um, so yeah I, I think it can be a little bit confusing when when you look at the studies because even the way that the position that people put themselves in to do a diastasis check, sometimes it's with the legs straight, so lying on your back with your legs straight and doing a little bit of a head lift. Sometimes it's with the knees bent, and that's going to change the tension, in my mind, through through the abdominal wall, even before you start. 100%. So there's a lot, yeah. So there's a lot of variability in how people measure, it. and I'm kind of with you on this. Like I, I do find it's useful, and I always check people uh, lying on their back doing a little bit of a head lift. I kind of I like to record when, so if you were lying on your back 
and you take, you put three fingers, you turn them sideways and put them into, I usually start at the uh, belly button and you just start to do a little bit of a curl up. I like to write down that point when you first feel that movement inwards because the higher you come up, so people will come in, they say, oh, I've got no, no diastasis and they'll do a huge head lift and it, and it, and it comes together because that's what it, it does in that position. And it almost gives a bit of a, like a false sense of security in terms of what that abdominal wall actually is like when you're standing. Which is crazy because that's how the research is done. So mm. you could, you could pass that test and have no gap mm. on a head lift and be told that you don't have a diastasis, but you're walking around looking like you're four months pregnant still. Yeah. Um, and that's really distressing for some people. I think it's important to remember that, you know, a lot of the people that are concerned about their tummies, their abdomen, um, it's important to remember that there's lots of fear being sold there. You know, you've got to you get rid of that mummy tummy and get that flat, get your summer body back on and, you know, all these sorts of things. Um, it's important to realize that there's many different ways to, to measure it. Like, you're right, there's calipers and there's ultrasound as well. So people mm. with a linear linear head can use an ultrasound to measure that width. Um, and it's not just the width of the, of the diastasis that's important to measure. It's also keeping an eye on the depth. Like, mm. you know, the thinner the tissue, the often, it, it also depends so much on what type of pressure is going on inside you, like you said. Like, but how deep can you sink into that abdomen? Um, and the resting tone of their muscles makes a difference as well because we're not talking about a piece of tissue that has no uh, no other interaction with the rest of the body. So even if my hands were cold, that could change the tension of whoever I'm feeling. If my hands are warm, you might relax more. If if you feel really nervous about having someone touch your tummy because you know you feel very embarrassed about it, mm. that can change what's going on as well. There's many different things to consider. Mm. But the bottom line is, is that um, I think it's important for people to realize that it's a thinning. The way I describe it is like um, uh, pastry, you know, when you roll out pastry and you can, can you tell I like food? And, and <laughs> you, can, you can stretch and thin out pastry and it can be thick in some places and thinner in others, almost translucent, but it's still together. Like that's what and that's what I imagine diastasis to be like, is it's still together, you can still put tension on it, um, and what we're trying to do is ultimately control the pressure, right? Because I, I often talk about old elastic <clears throat> that's been stretched too far and it becomes a little bit uh, just longer and thinner and it has less of that sort of recoil. Yeah. And I know it's not elastic. As, well, it has some elastic properties, but it's not like an elastic band. But it just sometimes in my head, I think about it like that. Yeah. It's, but it's I like the, the pace analogy. It's a good one. Thank you. Um, I used it <laughs> just today that. with her. I just used it today with, with somebody. Um, the, um, the important thing to also recognize is that it is tissue. And if you can put tension on the tissue in a way that doesn't overload it, the tissue can adapt. Um, but if we think that our five minutes worth of exercise that we give somebody to do is going to change their 16 hours that they're upright on their feet, you know, there's a lot of load going on just by being upright and having your internal organs just naturally push down and out. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a whole topic in itself. Oh, uh, that's a whole podcast in itself, Anthony. We could probably digress quite happily along that road. Yeah, there's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what other people say about diastasis and, and mm. a lot of the fear that goes along with it. Um, I know that I've had to tell people, they haven't asked specifically because they feel silly asking, but I want to tell people that, look, I don't believe there's ever been a case where somebody has done exercise because they have a diastasis and they split their tummy open and their abdominal contents fell out of their tummy. Like, but I'm sure that that's a picture that lots of people have because I've sure. said this to people before and, and they've been like, oh, I'm so glad that you said that because I was wondering if my guts were going to come out of the hole. Oh, like, well, wow. One, yeah, number one, you don't have a hole. No. Number two, it's not going Unless you have to... a hernia, which case that's a whole other thing, but yeah. Well, and even if you have a hernia... Yes, sometimes your, uh, you know, a piece of your intestine might come mm. forward, but then it goes back, and you know, you, you're not going to be standing on the street with your gut spilled out on the on the street because you decided to do a few exercises at the gym. Like yeah. a few other things are going to happen. So I think it's really important to acknowledge that as well because that's what some of it can feel like. Um, that so it's that reass you know? reassurance. Yeah, really important to reassure people. So, um, so Just yeah. Hang on one sec. My, my automatic vacuum cleaner is going to come in here. It's going to be really loud. So this, we're going to have to edit this bit. Yeah. Or not. Maybe we can just continue on. No deal. I'm so sorry. That went on a, it's on a timer. All right. We're good. It's all good. And um, <laughs> we're back. Uh, Auntie, a lot of people ask what's normal. Um, and I get, I do get women coming to see me who are, you know, one thing, they've got a one finger gap postnatally and they'll say, you know, can a you one fit finger my, gap when though? You know, say eight weeks, like on a curl up. Yeah. yeah. And I'll say, I, I've got this one finger gap, you know, I've got to fix it. This is really bad. Um, and no symptoms or anything like that. And so a big part of my job, I feel, is just to, you know, um, balance some of those expectations because, you know, we know from research and things that a lot of women will still have some separation after having a baby. And actually, like, there was a study, I think, 2009, where they just took like 150 women who hadn't had babies and then measured that distance between the two sides of the six-pack muscles. And there's supposed to be, for most people, like a little bit of separation there. So how, um, what, when people say to you, what's normal? Like what, what's, what's your sort of thoughts around that? Well, for me, what's normal, do you mean from an aesthetic point of view? Or do you mean from a functional point of view? Because to me, function is more important than aesthetic. But then <laughs> aesthetics are still really, really, really important for people. Um, mm. And so I think from a functional point of view, What's important is that you can still transfer load and control the pressure because ultimately the old concept of core stability and, and I was just on a course with Robin and she reinforced this point, um, Robin Kerr, she reinforced this point on the course. It's all about pressure control. Um, 
we need pressure to help splint our tissues so that we can lift heavy things. That's yeah. why we generate pressure. Um, there's lots of healthy things about generating pressure as well. But ultimately, can you control that pressure because you now have the thinning through that linear alba, through that midline uh, that separates your six pack out? Because that's, that's the thing that's going to be considered normal for me. Um, aesthetically, so long as it's together, um, in some way, whether it's wider apart or not, um, I would consider that normal. Is it, is it what you want? Well, then it may not be what you want, but I, I think up to two fingers in, in between, and it really depends on the size of the person. You take a linear, a little five foot two size Australian size six, which is like, uh, you know, a US size two, uh, you take somebody that small and they've got a two finger, like, I mean, you're almost gone halfway across their abdomen, but, um, you know, it, it's, it really is about proportions and about mm. what's going on there. And what does it look like when people lose that pressure? Cause you're talking about pressure management. So if someone was yeah. thinking, I don't know, am I losing pressure? What does, what does that look like? Yeah. So that's pretty much. Uh, you know, how do I know that I've got mm. this? That pressure control, number one, I like to make the point that the rib cage at the bottom half, the rib cage up here um, where, where it splits into two, uh, as well as the pubic bone and the, and the inguinal ligament all the way out to your hip pointer bone and, and you know, the, the side hip bones, that's where your abdomen attaches to. So when your muscles contract, uh, physics, all things being equal, will dictate that it should form a straight line when you put tension on it. Mm -hmm. And so you, you have this curve that the body forms. You know, when you look at a picture, it looks like it should be flat, like your computer screen or your phone, but people's abdomens shouldn't be like that. You're not a square. Um, so that's number one. I, I, I don't mind there being a curve. Number two, if your rib cage when you're lying down is sitting higher relative to the bed than your pubic bone is, well, then you're going to have a slant. And some people, especially if they've got low visceral fat, they're going to have this sagging, like a hammock effect of their tummy. And you'll see the ribs are up high and then their muscles will be at rest and they just go down like a, like a ski slope to the pubic bone. And then when they activate their muscles to do something like sit up, their muscles will jump up and people think, oh no, you know, that's not good. My, I've, I've, my tummy's gone out and it's like, no, you're just going into the straight line. So the reason why I said that was the straight line between the attachments is really important for me because anything bulging past that more than just the muscle bulk, that's when we start to, to query whether you've had a loss of that pressure. So what does it look like? Through the center line, often it's it looks like a a sausage roll, a little Toblerone. bulge, a Toblerone. People <laughs> call it tenting, doming, um, ballooning, bulging. Um, that's what it looks like. And then you know when you're up there and you're sitting up there and you see this little pokey bit come out through the center line of you, when you push it, it's kind of like you know pushing Squishy. on a yeah, on a jumping Stop. castle, you, you push mm. into it and you can push in and then you come out of it and it pops back out again. Yeah. 
So that's that's what a diastasis looks like to me. Yeah. And I think, I don't know what you do in clinic, Anthony, but, you know, taking people through a whole lot of different positions because um, people, some people will actually be absolutely, because you, you do a curl up, there's no bulging, there's no tenting. You can see there's a bit of separation there, but taking them into a plank, checking on a plank position, checking with um, leg raises in supine as well. So lifting one leg up, lifting two legs up, see what happens. And sometimes those other movements and activities will actually demonstrate the, um, that loss of pressure. Um, so we, we kind of need a few different movements and activities and, and really like trying to replicate what people do in the gym. So if, if you are a CrossFitter, just doing a sit-up test is actually not going to give you a lot of information. But if you have to do toast bar or whatever, we want to be able to check in. Wouldn't you agree? Like just checking in different activities in different positions because you may find that you're okay with some activities and not, not with others. Absolutely. You know, and one that's really difficult for people to reconcile in their head is doing a plank because the abdomen, like you've just got all the gravity now working on your, on your anterior, exactly. on the front of your tummy. That's going to be really, that's going to be super hard to control. And, and it's important to realize that like you, we talked about what's normal. A diastasis is normal. You know, depending on your definition of what mm -hmm. forms a diastasis, basically anyone who's had a kid, anyone who's pregnant will, will get some form of separation at the front there. Very rarely does it not happen. So it's normal. And there's also some interesting research. I don't think it was one of the primary things that they were looking at, but the women with diastasis um, had less occurrence of pelvic organ prolapse and symptoms than those who didn't have a diastasis. So maybe there's actually a protective effect. Maybe mm, that loss of pressure out the front means that you're not driving that pressure down through your pelvic floor while you're still breastfeeding and, and things are still a bit vulnerable down there. So, um, you know, it's important to recognize that diastasis might actually be a normal thing and be good for you and then move forwards from there. There's so yeah. much fear surrounding diastasis. And even when you're talking about just values or what is considered normal and the other research, and I'm, I think it was Spitznagel or something, I'll put it, we can put it in the show notes, but they, when, when they were looking at how following people through pregnancy and postnatally, and they were saying, you know, how much of a diastasis is there at 21 weeks and 30 weeks and full term and six weeks postnatal, whatever. So they followed people over time. Now, anyone who had less than a two centimeter separation was considered no diastasis, yeah. like none. That so it didn't Bose. even... I'm pretty sure that was Bose. Recently. Yeah, might have, might have been, but like a mild was two to three. So I think mm. sometimes we still think no means nothing, like they're, they're absolutely 100% together, but actually no diastasis in a lot of the research is actually around you know, two centimeters. So, and a, and a lot of those hmm. measures are done on the curl up as well. So hmm. yeah. again, it's not the upright measurement. There, there is no validated good upright measurement that I know no. of. Um, not yet. Not yet. That's right. You can do things like you can use a, like your tape measure and measure around the, around the belly button, like a normal waist measurement. You can use that. Um, but again, you know, how reliable is it? We don't know until we do the research. Um, but yeah, you know, that you, you did bring up Spitznagel who, um, 
who found a lot of the women who turned up to his practice at the average age of around 50 were having, you know, lots of um, lots of pelvic floor dysfunction, so pelvic organ prolapse and incontinence, and then needing surgical consult for it. Um, he found that a lot of these women had diastasis, but then inferring that having a diastasis means that you're going to have pelvic organ prolapse mm. or incontinence down the track, I don't think you can draw that out. And yeah. lots of people have been saying that. And certainly, I think you should think about it. I think mm. I think you should think about whether or not um, the strategies that you're using, how you do life, does affect what and happens maybe your to genetics. diastasis. Maybe your genetics. Maybe mm. the situation that you're in. You know, you, you you live on a farm. Your your work is is rural and lifting heavy things on a farm. You know, try telling a farmer that they can't lift up more than five kilos or ten pounds. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So all of these things play into it for me. Um, sure. And I think when it, I think you know, if we were to summarize that bit about how do you measure it, I think we would probably agree that it's kind of like there's that little test, and it's that's part of this bigger picture that we would look at in terms of how you stand, how you move, how you breathe, how you perform tasks. How you and control that pressure. How you control that pressure. Yeah. yeah. And then we would pull all that together to kind of ascertain where that person is at. And then where and then where do we go from there? Like, and that's a whole nother that's a whole nother podcast, I think. But yeah, just not that one test. Uh, I would always sort of reiterate it. It's just one little thing. And is it actually that useful? I don't know. I don't know. It's just one little piece of the puzzle. It's useful, but You've it's got to start somewhere in research. Yeah. That's the problem. The problem it's, is is that the research to control for as many variables as possible, you've got yeah. to narrow down some of the definitions, but then, you know, how applicable is that to the wider population? That's that's always the argument, right? I remember that from being at uni 25 years ago. The, the argument was always, okay, research, clinical application. And, yeah. you know, the more clinical clinically applicable it is, probably the less strong the research findings were and, and vice versa. So uh, super important. I think what's really important is that we need to reassure people that it is common. Um, things can be done about it a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a surgical option is needed yeah. um, if that's what you want. Uh, so sometimes that's symptoms-based and sometimes that's uh, aesthetics-based and we don't judge um, on no. the reasons why you want to have a flat tummy, uh, if it's because of pain and symptoms, if it's because you want to have your flat tummy again, there's no judgment. You just, you got to do what you got to do. Um, I think that's really important. The fear-based stuff is not helpful. Uh, and usually getting back to exercise and some form of exercise is what I'm often encouraging people to do. And, and I think that's really important. And doing so in an appropriate and a graded sort of manner, understanding the difference between the fact that there's a diastasis as a definition of thinning out like the pastry versus a hernia, which is poking your finger through the pastry and separating it and then hoping it comes back together again. Like it doesn't work like that. Yeah. So now, yeah, I don't know. What do you reckon? Did we cover it? As this is just a flyover, I, right? I this know. Is just, I know. This it's is just so a hard. broad thing because I'd love to get some We could topics. dive. You know, we, we could, could dive, dive deep. So yeah. Deep. And, you know, you and I both have, have had to deal with it a lot. 
but I'd, I'd love to hear what other experts say about it and Absolutely. their perspectives on on these same sorts of questions and, I, and I would probably management you know I would probably just maybe um, finish from my perspective in saying that having worked with literally hundreds of women now in the last few years in particular and felt so many tummies um, you know I, I perhaps contributed to some of the DRA hysteria in my earlier days in, in women's health because it, it was one of these things that I didn't know a lot about and then I learned about it and then I thought, oh, my God, how did I not know about it? And then I just thought, oh, my God, everyone has it and then, you know, wanted to learn more and it's very easy to get caught up in that and kind of almost catastrophize. And, but the longer you work in it and then you see how well, like I literally I think I have two women at the moment who I think will need surgery and they're the and they're pretty much the only ones in five years. Um, the vast majority of women do so well with lo- just structured loaded exercise. So I, I would, I always like you know when I see them and say, um, you know, and you can often tell pretty early, not always, but I'll often say, look, you know what, the, you're, you're probably going to do really really well with exercise. Um, we're just going to gradually load you. We're going to watch what happens to the tissues and we're going to see how we go um, and just let them know that there is a small percentage of people that do need surgery. And um, yeah, like I said, I've got a couple at the moment and you, you know, they're sort of seven finger kind of gaps and four babies. And, you know, there's so much thinning there. And one of them in particular still looks six months pregnant, two years postpartum. And mm. for her, you know, mentally it's destroying people constantly asking her when the baby's due and she's pretty much at that point now where she's ready to have surgery. And that's not a failure. Um, it's, and I think hopefully all the strengthening that she's done up to this point is actually going to help her with her, um, her recovery and her return to activities later. But you know, lots of reassurance to women that, you know, they will likely get, get better and get good results. Um, but there's still for some people will be the aesthetics, the aesthetics, that are lingering Absolutely. as a problem. And hundred percent, we've all evolved, haven't we? And no doubt I was the finicky one with getting it right and making sure that your transverses came on super clearly and cleanly mm. without anything else. And, you know, I've relaxed a lot of that stuff too. We, we both evolved at Marika. <laughs> We're always learning. Always. If, no. if I ever stop learning, you're allowed to give me a kick up the butt slap in the face side kick? you can do a sidekick that you might break <laughs> bones with a sidekick i might do <laughs> turning kick to the under ribs sounds good all right um yeah so please if you have any questions if you want to learn more uh please shoot through some some information uh our, all the links will be in the show notes below and we're going to try and get some experts on and talk about the different aspects of diastasis in addition to all the other things that we will be covering. So thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you. See ya. Well, that's it for this episode. Please be sure to hit like if you enjoyed this episode and leave any comments or questions below because we'd really love to hear from you. If you haven't already hit subscribe, please do so now so that you can be kept notified of when we release a new episode. Otherwise, thank you for listening and we look forward to having you back with us for another episode of the Women's Health Podcast.